Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. It's true that some things change as we get older, but if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause, and MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. I will not give my life for Joffrey's murder, and I know I'll get no justice here, so I will let the gods decide my fate. I demand a trial by combat. Kristen. I'm Rima. And this is House Podcastica. This week we are covering Season 4, Episode 6, The Laws of Gods and Men of our series Rewatch. And here we are. We've got Rima again. Thank you so much for <laughs> coming back for the next episode so quickly. Thank you for having me. I love being here. It's one of my favorite places to be. Yay! <laughs> Um, so for those of you who are wondering why we have another episode up so quickly with the uh, recent announcement of 
Game of Thrones returning in their final season in April 2019, we have decided to speed up our rewatch and bring you two episodes a week until late January. Uh, and then we'll slow down and go one a week until we get to the premiere of season eight. Oh, Woo! bittersweet. Bittersweet. <laughs> I know it's going to be just that huge mixture of excitement and sorrow for me all at the same time because I'm, I can't wait for it to happen. Can't wait to see what happens next, but all at the same time, knowing that that's it, mm-hmm. you know, this is it. That's in the finality of it is just makes me sad, but it's okay. I'm, I'm excited. Super excited. <laughs> So for those of you who don't know, we are a spoilerful podcast. Uh, everything that you hear tonight or today, whenever you're listening, will be filled with spoilers all the way up to Season 7, Episode 7. And pretty much everything is fair game. So if you haven't watched the entire series uh, and you care about spoilers, then you should probably go finish watching the show and then come back and listen. Or if you don't care about spoilers, then keep on listening. And keep, as uh, our good friend from Fear the Walking Dead say, keep your truck moving. With that, let's get into the laws of gods and men with our top five and take it away, Rima. All right. Well, I, I really loved this one. We get this this great opening scene um, and we get Bravos on the map, which was amazing to to see and they did such a beautiful job. I mean, Bravos is so beautiful and I love that opening shot. I mean, Game of Thrones, they're so great at, you know, this great cinematography and bringing these worlds from the books to life. Um so you've got that opening shot. I love it as the ship, you know, you've got this shot of Stannis and Sir Davos on the, on the ship and they're coming in through the entrance going over the Titan of Bravos there. And, um, you know, it's hilarious. It's kind of funny how they have this situated, how it is at Bravos with the, the Titan at the entrance. And, you know, they're, they're going through. And I know if I'm on that ship, I'm going to be going through that entrance and then looking up because I want to know if that Titan's going a full Scottishman. <laughs> uh, and <laughs> I want to know what's up the skirt. You know what? Of course, of course, that's your first thought. <laughs> yeah, it is because I'm like, well, it's like it's beautiful from afar. I can be like, this is beautiful. This is a beautiful, you know, um, architecture and statue and a salute to the city of Bravos and the people. But at the same time, at that moment, yeah, let's take a peek if you're if you have the opportunity. Let's see what's happening under there. But I just I love that. I love that we got to see you know the Iron Bank, the people because you hear so much about it. And you're like, oh my gosh, you know, you just want to finally get there and see this institution and understand to its fullest. And, and, you know, from this episode, you definitely get that full weight of the authority of the Iron Bank. And I just, I loved that whole introduction to Bravo. So that, that's my number five. You know, that's such a good number five too, because it was the first, it was the first time I think that the show has introduced a new landscape in the opening shot of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I, I love what you just said about how it was, um, just like it, how it had been a mystery. And so we've heard the Iron Bank a lot. And then all of a sudden now we get to see it and we get to see who runs it and we get to see what Bravos looks like. I mean, we've been talking about Bravos for so long. And, mm-hmm. you know, as, as a viewer, if you're watching it for the first time, you don't know that you're going to be spending a lot of time in Bravos with Arya. 
uh, mm-hmm. next season. So it's really fun to just get that little taste of Bravos um, in this episode. I, <laughs> my whole thought was. When, when you know, you first see Bravos and, and you see that huge statue and man, is that just wonderful the way that they yeah. did that. But you see Stannis's ships going into the harbor and all I could think about was how ugly his banner was. Like it looked like <laughs> it looked like somebody like drew it with chalk straight onto the sail and just said yeah that's good enough let's go <laughs> that's true it's like couldn't you pretty yourself up just a little bit you're you're entering bravos such a beautiful city uh let's pretty those sails up yeah well i just think that that is kind of uh telling of stannis and his claim to the throne mm-hmm. just as a whole it's very hasty it's it's sloppy it's not well thought out um you know, the whole thing is do it quickly so that we can get the power. Um, and you really get a sense of that. I mean, Stannis is at this point where he's desperate for money and he's desperate for the moving, uh, re- reestablishing his claim to the throne. I mean, mm-hmm. he's kind of been put in a corner by the by the Lannisters and, you know, put baby in the corner like, nope buddy, you're done. You stay over there. And he just won't give up. And so this is kind of their Hail Mary pass of a series of Hail Mary passes. I feel like that's been the whole, the whole thing for Stannis is none of it. He's, he's doing whatever Melisandre tells him to do. He's got all these people fighting for him, but I'm not really sure that they know what they're fighting for anymore at this point. Uh, You know, he's living in, he's living at Dragonstone, which he should be at Storm's End. Like, he's not even acting as a true Baratheon. He's just this pawn of the Red Woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and he looks lost when he's not with Melisandre. I mean, he's with Davos here, and he's just like this feral dog that's pacing back and forth in this hallway. Um, yeah. So it, it was it was interesting to see somebody as frenetic as Stannis in somewhere as staunch and conservative and just very black and white as far as Bravos goes and, and, and the Iron Bank goes. So I, mm-hmm. I liked that. I like that duality there. I like it too. And and you're right when you, you say that he looks kind of lost without Melisandre. Like he, you know, needs her by his side. But I think that when you see how Davos, you know, what Davos has done and how he speaks for um, Stannis to get the attention of the Iron Bank and to sway them that, you know, he, I wonder if he's starting to think, you know, maybe I should be looking more at Sir Davos as, you know, I know he's, he has him as his advisor and he does listen to him, but he leans so heavily on Melisandre and that, you know, if she says, no, we're going this way or this is what you need to do, he just follows that and completely disregards everyone else. And I think there was a little bit of a turning point in, in this episode with that. I know he still continues to listen to her and to follow her, but I think it was, it kind of tipped the scales a little bit more in Sir Davos's um, favor in this episode. Yeah, I think that you're onto something there. And and that that actually kind of goes into my number five. So I'm just going to um, go yeah, right into talk. it. So my number five was kind of the theme of loyalty and betrayal. Mm-hmm. And one of them was with uh, Stannis and Davos. And Davos really, um, really shows how useful and loyal and true of of a follower and a companion that he is, you mm-hmm. know, the Iron Banks said no. 
they told him to kick rocks. And Davos said, no, we're not, we're not leaving. And I'm going to tell you why he's the one true king. I'm going to tell you why you need to believe in him. And he gave just one of the Davos speeches, right? I mean, Davos I is just so good at this. He's so good. And, uh, and he's like, listen, look at my hand, you know, and he shows his fingers. He tells the story of, of why Stannis took his fingers and why that actually generated this level of respect from Davos. I mean, Mm -hmm. any other man would have been bitter and probably resented him. And Davos becomes hand to the king as far as, as far as Davos goes. And then you have him saying, listen, why are you putting all your eggs in the Lannister basket? Tywin is the only, is the only position of power in that family. Mm -hmm. And he's old, man. He makes such great points for Stannis while Stannis is sulking and just basically, I mean, he's, he looks feral, you know, just pacing back and forth and he just wants, yeah, he's fuming. Yeah. There's like that frenetic energy that's coming out of him. And Davos just stays true. He stays loyal and he proves to the Iron Bank, it changes their mind. I know. And, and, and they were very much, like you said, they said, and this goes into my number four. So I'll just kind of jump into that about Sir Davos's little speech that he was giving. You know, he, Stannis gets this look as a, as the, uh, and I failed to remember his name at the, the, um, I don't know if he's like considered the leader, but he was a spokesman at that moment, um, for the Iron Bank. And as he's, you know, telling them no in only the way that he can, which was so eloquently put, um, Stannis gets this look on his face and just turns and look at Sir Davos like, well, way to go. This was your idea. It just completely failed. What are you going to do now? And then he gets up and starts doing, like you said, his pacing and, and Sir Davos just pulls out of his hat this beautiful speech like you just went through. I mean, Sir Davos is like the best PR guy in Westeros. I mean... <laughs> Except, <laughs> except for when he meets Daenerys, <laughs> he's like this yes. Jon Snow. It's Jon Snow, <laughs> he's king that of the North. <laughs> that's one time he did kind of fail just a little bit. Where you know, usually he's he's got these great speeches. He can really motivate people, and he really just he's so he's humble, and he's got such a way of rallying people mm-hmm. um, with with his wordsmithing. And that was the one time he did kind of go kaput, was, you know, and, and, and it wasn't even the fact of what he said that that kind of failed. It was the fact that he almost forgot to really introduce Jon Snow to Daenerys, you know, because he because Jon kind of looks at him like, um, hello, you're going to introduce me? He's like, oh, yeah, this is Jon Snow. Snow. <laughs> so yes, you're right. Other than that, he's been the best PR guy in Westeros. And he just has a way with words. And he was so persuasive. And it was had to be so courageous. I mean, Sir Davos came from nothing. He, you know, he came from Flea Bottom there in King's Landing. And, you know, to be able to speak the way he does to Stannis and, you know, kind of stand up for what he believes in with Stannis and, and, and be outspoken against Melisandre and how he feels the things that she does isn't right and how he, he doesn't approve of Stannis following her and listening to her stand up to these fellas at the Iron Bank. I mean, everybody pretty much in Westeros is scared of the Iron Bank. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I, I think that just really speaks to Sir Davos and his character and who he is and the bravery that he shows by being able to do that and, and speak up. And then, of course, shows that loyalty to Stannis, you know, to how far he's willing to go yeah, to get him what he, wa- what he wants and what he needs to help win the throne. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, so I have a few more with the loyalty and betrayal. Yeah. So we have uh, Yara's, Yara's uh, loyalty to Theon. But mm-hmm. then you also have Theon's betrayal to Yara, 
when she arrives and realizes that he's not going to go with her and Theon has ceased to exist. And and she realizes that he's really gone. Um, You have Tyrion and him being betrayed by literally everyone around him. Mm. Uh, He's got one person in his corner and that's his brother. And then Tyrion ends up betraying his brother, who was the only one that showed him loyalty in the end, which I'm sure we'll talk about at, you know, in the coming hour. Uh, You have also the biggest betrayal I would say to Theon was Shay. It was the most heartbreaking piece of the entire episode uh you have varies who betrayed Tyrion. um you know Tyrion thought at the very least that varies could be maybe ambiguous or or just flippant or maybe even just not say as much as he did and mm-hmm. Tyrion only only asked varies a question he didn't ask anybody else a question it was just varies because i think he was so shocked by the fact that varies said the things that he did to condemn Tyrion, which i i have a thought about but we could talk about that later and then lastly we have um barristan selmy and kind of his betrayal of king's landing he's betrayed that there's a small council meeting and they're talking about you know the fact that Jorah is now d- completely devoted to uh, Daenerys and there's no more information coming from him. So we understand that Jorah is going to be loyal to Daenerys. And then we also have Barristan Selmy, who was once loyal to the throne, and he has now betrayed that because he was betrayed and he is gone. And now he has his loyalty to Daenerys. Well, but do you really consider him betraying? Because he was dismissed from the Kingsguard. Cersei dismissed him, and he was dismissed from duty. Does that is that really? I, I feel he was betrayed. Yes, by that. But do you really think he's betrayed? Since he or that's his betrayal because he was dismissed and he has no further loyalty, in my opinion. Yeah, I. You know what? I think that there's some truth to that. I think that you're you're absolutely right in that. Um, you know, maybe it can be seen as a betrayal because he was a Kingsguard for so long, but he was, but you're, but he was a Kingsguard to the Targaryens. I, I think much longer than he was to Robert. I'm not sure. Cause, mm-hmm. cause he was Kingsguard for 19 years, uh, mm-hmm. with, with Robert, but I, you know, he's seasoned, he's weathered, he fought in all the battles. I think. Maybe he was Kingsguard in, in, in a split amount of time. That's something that I would actually have to look into. Um, so maybe it's him realigning himself with old loyalties. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure, but whatever the betrayal, who betrayed who as far as the Lannisters go, he he is now loyal to Daenerys, which is wonderful. Yes, I love Barristan with... Danny, I think even though he was with her a short amount of time, uh, he definitely served her well and, you know, helped her get where she is today. And with, you know, how he advised her and was there for her and then gave his life for her, you know, uh, really put us where we needed to be and put Daenerys where we needed her to be. Um, so, and I love him. I just, it was terrible when we lost him. I mean, I, I just love every scene that he's in and then finally getting to see him in a battle. Cause you hear about how 
you know, great he was at one-on-one combat and how many, you know, fights he had won. And then finally getting to see that. But there, then there was that sorrowful moment when he, he goes down for the final time was terrible. But, um, yeah, I don't know. And, and I don't know. I haven't read the books or a lot of history about the King's guard, but is it like they're loyal to the King, no matter who sits or queen in hopefully Daenerys's case, um, that whomever sits the throne, that that's who they're loyal to. So no matter, you know, it's like, oh, well, now you're the king or queen and I don't want to serve you anymore because I don't like you or I don't believe in what you stand for. You're the mad king and I want to leave because you're a, you're a king's guard for life. And, you know, you take that vow. So is it because the Targaryens went down in the great battle and Robert Baratheon conquered them and he then sat on the throne. So that's like, it's just for them. It's just like, they're just, you know, doing their duty by serving whomever sits on the throne. And Barristan Selmy gets dismissed and he's now, like you said, kind of went back to his loyalty to the Targaryens, the original family that sat on the throne. I think that you're right. I Because Jamie was King's guard to the Mad King and he killed the king. Mm-hmm. And then he was also he was King's guard to Robert, and then he was King's guard to Joffrey, and now he's King's guard to Tommen. So, it, I think unless you're released or dismissed or you die, I think that that's that's a lifetime appointment, much like you know the Supreme Court or something mm-hmm. like that. So, right, it's um, tenure. Yeah, yes, guaranteed <laughs> job security. <laughs> Uh, and then the last, the last, uh, loyalty that, the loyalty that we see was, uh, Ramsey and Reek. Reek stayed loyal to Ramsey. <sighs> Terrible. Poor Theon. So, anyways, that was my number five. Um, your number four was Davos? Yeah, it was just Davos and that whole scene that we got. And I've already spoken about that. So, um, if you want to go into your number four. So um, my number four is actually Daenerys's terrible decision. <laughs> I think <laughs> which one is that? <laughs> she, I think, made a horrible decision by agreeing to let. Uh, I can't ever get his name right. Let me. I, I wrote it down so that I could, you know, at least say it badly. Oh, I can't. Uh, I can't remember his name either. I know who his dar. Yes. Yeah. So. I hate him. I think anybody yeah. that has seen this show all the way through, we all know he is just terrible in every mm-hmm. way. And so he comes in and he gives that whole, oh, my father was, you know, he he was against the slaves and he was against this. And, you know, he spoke out for that. Look, man, you're a fucking liar. Like, yeah. I'm pretty liar. sure you're a liar. And all you did was just prove that if you give the queen a sob story, she'll let you have whatever you want. Yep. And I think that that was a terrible decision. You know, she she wanted to stand by her decision and fight injustice with justice. Then do that and say, no, I'm sorry. I I can sympathize with you. I understand that you're grieving. But he was a master. Regardless of what you think his views were, he was a master and he will stay up there because the children didn't get to be put down. So why mm-hmm. should he get a, a proper burial? And, and she waffled, man. And she did. She folded. He walked like a house out. Of cards. Yeah. And I think um, she saves the goat farmer, pays him three times uh, what the goats were worth. And 
embarrassed and sell me. It's so funny because I was going to ask you. Uh, I don't know if you noticed he looked at her when that he happened. Did. He was very surprised. I was going to ask you the same uh, exact question, what you thought. Uh, I was curious, you know, they know they've been told not to speak out in front of like, or question her decisions in Astapor when Sir Jorah, she's like, don't ever question me like that in front of anyone ever again. Yes. And so they've kind of learned like, zoop. So he knows better than to like speak out. But yeah, I, I that lost, that look was not lost on me. And I was going to ask you, why do you think he was so disapproving of her decision with the to pay the three I times? I cannot believe you turned my own question around on <laughs> I me. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> you, but you beat me to girl. it. You beat me to it. You're sneaky. You got you got me first. But I don't know why if you're asking me. So I thought it was one of two things. It was either he was pleasantly surprised at her kindness, kind of shocked at her capacity for kindness, mm-hmm. or he was shocked because it was so foolish. Yeah. And I was wondering which one you thought it was. <laughs> I think that he doesn't see her as the as as her father. He knows that she's not the mad king. So I don't think that he he really questions like okay, she's not crazy. So she's not crazy for making this decision, but the surprise at her kindness. Um, he knows that maybe, maybe he is a little bit shocked because she was pretty harsh with him in the other episode when she did go hang the, or not hang the, but crucify the slaveholders mm-hmm. there in Marine. And he tried to, he's like, are you sure that you want to do that? Are you sure this is what you want to do? And she was so, so harsh with him over that. Um, that maybe he was surprised that she was showing kindness mm-hmm. um, to this goat herder who lost um, his goats. But, you know, she was technically responsible for that. It's like if your dog – well, I don't know if I would say dog bites someone, you're kind of responsible. That's not great. And, you know, they that doesn't always go so well. But, you know, her dragons were responsible for wiping out that herd. And so she de- she de- she is responsible, but um, – Again, I don't know. I think I think I'd be surprised at the amount. I think I would have just said, you know, well, I'll just pay you for what they're worth. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting that you said your dog because you know she she thinks of her dragons as children. So mm-hmm. if my child had done something like killed a dog or wrecked wrecked a a, a window, let's say, you know, uh, damaged property or something, I would feel responsible to. To remedy that. Mm-hmm. Um, Same. But my dogs are my children. I'm yeah. <laughs> I do have a kid, but um, and she is, yes, my kid, but my dogs are my children, essentially. Right. I'm like, I'm as bad as Daenerys with her dragons. It's her <laughs> children. They, they are my children. But I, I, I'm the same. I agree. You would feel like you would need to rectify that mm-hmm. if your children had broken a neighbor's window throwing a baseball you know, something like that. You have to pay for the window. You're responsible. But I'm not paying three times what it's worth. I'm going to I'm gonna rectify it. I'll make it right. And yeah, I would probably send like send some cookies or something. Oh, I'm so sorry. And, you know, pay for the repair. But uh, I'm not going to give you three times the worth. No, um, no. But I don't have Daenerys money either. So. That's true. We don't have the, the pockets full of gold. Now, does she have all of the master's money of Marine? Because that could be a way of distributing it back out 
That well, that would be one way. I'm I'm guessing I don't know how much intermingled the master's money is with like the city of Marine. I'm guessing the city of Marine, just being a slave city, was a rich city. I don't know if she if she took I don't know if she took their money as like conquered them and said, you know what, you're not allowed to have that money because it was it was uh reaped from the the backs of slaves and you know the you don't deserve that. That wasn't that's not yours. You shouldn't have that. And maybe that money would then be given to the slaves so mm-hmm. they can buy homes and provide for their families and make a start and be free to do that. Or if she does just have the coffers of Marine, which I'm guessing is a, it looks to be a very rich city. So mm-hmm. it, that's my guess is if you conquer that city, you get whatever in, you know, the vaults. And then she conquered Asapur. She conquered uh, Yunkai. So she has all that money. And gold to give. That's, That's awesome. But I don't know about the slave or the masters. I'd take their money and give it to the slaves. Yeah. Well, and and I guess that was a thought in the back of my head was, well, perhaps what it what she's doing is this is her way of giving that money back out. Right. Restitution. Mm-hmm. But that guy, he wasn't a slave. He's a goat herder. Um, he looks like he lives outside of the area, but mm. I'm sure he's You're affected right. by all of it. So I don't know. I Maybe he's just thinking she's over generous. He was surprised by her over generosity and thinking, why would you do three times as much if you do that with everyone? You know, and then maybe thinking, you know, she seems kind of like, like, yes, let's pay the man for his goats, but also that she's just kind of like, oh, those darn dragons, you know, off killing goats and wiping out people's herds. Because then look what they do next. Look what Drogon does next. I know. It's not a goat the next time. No, so it's not. Maybe he's, maybe he's surprised that she's like, okay, I care enough about the situation to make it right with the goat herder. But she doesn't look how this potential situation can escalate further to go mm-hmm. from goats to people. Ugh. That was heartbreaking when that happened. And then when she had to chain up the dragons, it just... Oh, my God. Gosh. I bawled so hard. I cried. Ugly cried. Yeah, that was was hard. That was a hard uh, little spot. I think that happens in this season finale, too, which is sad. So, yeah, that was my my number four. (laughs) I like it. Yeah. (laughs) My number four. What was your number three? My number three, you touched on it a little bit when you were talking about the loyalty and betrayal with Theon. And I think that this episode, we we saw a lot in previous seasons, the unspeakable torture that Ramsay uh, put Theon through. We know he's cut off his penis and that has to be just like ultimate. But I think in this episode, we really got the full scope of now how far Theon is is i guess gone like like yara said he's dead um and when he takes off his shirt we really see everything that he's been through i mean theon was never one of my i mean the because he betrayed the starks you know he took over winterfell and all the stuff that happened in the i won't go you know everybody knows when you've watched what what happened so and theon was just never really one of my favorite characters anyway for obvious reasons but this really broke my heart um all the torture and things that he was put through because i thought you know no matter what he's done he didn't deserve what happened to him and to see that he's truly been broken and that theon doesn't even exist and now he's reek and i think that this episode we really get it because not only do you see the physical torture you get that uh mental torture and how far that is because 
his family, Yara is there to rescue him and he just freaks out so bad. And, and he's like, no, the, I'm not Theon. I'm Reek. I'm Reek. I'm Reek. And, and he's so scared thinking that it's a trick that Yara is there to rescue him because he was tricked by Ramsey into thinking he was freed and then, you know, taken back as prisoner and then tortured. And then it, and it just how it continues. Ramsey's giving him a bath and he looks at him and he's like, do you love me? Um, I need you to pretend to be someone you're not. And that's Theon Greyjoy. I mean, to really just throw that in his face mm-hmm. is just, it's like, oh my gosh, how much can one person take? The fact that he's still alive and able to, you know, not only physically endure what he's suffered but the mentally what he's endured i don't know how in the world he was able to ever continue um i mean talk about some serious ptsd yeah you know what i um last night when we were recording um we said is there somebody who has had a worse time of it than santa and i think it's theon theon for sure yeah i think they're they're about pretty even (laughs) and and most of uh, the damage hat was done by one person. Yeah. Fuck Ramsey Snow. I mean, geez, I'm not going to give him Ramsey Bolton. Screw him. He doesn't deserve his legitimacy. He's, <laughs> he's a bastard. <laughs> That's the one death I wanted them to linger on. Everybody else, I'm like, whatever. Th- that one, I, I was like Sansa in that moment when she's like, she went to walk and then she stayed to watch the dogs eat him. I'm just like, come on, just pan over to it. I want to see it so bad because you hate him that much. And that's a real credit, uh, not only to the actor who played um, Ramsey, but to Alfie Allen and Sophie Turner as well, because man, Alfie Allen, especially in this episode, kills it just kills it he was amazing mm-hmm. he's incredible and i don't think that enough um enough is said on his acting ability and what he was able to portray uh as what theon slash rake endured all that mm-hmm. time so that's a great number three yeah he he turned me that's when i was starting to kind of turn so that's why i just kind of appreciate because i really disliked him so much and now that's what is so amazing about the show because you get these characters that maybe initially you really had a true distaste for and despised them and then they get turned you know jamie lannister is another good example of that mm-hmm. so that's what just gives me this great appreciation of this show that you can you know despise this character one season and then in the next feel all this great sympathy for them and want them to be a winner mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. so great oh yeah and and uh and season what was it it was it was either the second to last or last episode in season seven where uh theon finally won that fight and he yeah. got he got the ironborn on his side and they went to go find his sister and man was that a good moment like my heart swelled so mm-hmm. same i really good hope moment. that he gets a good ending in this coming season <sighs> fingers crossed but <laughs> this is game of thrones after all i know i know i know <laughs> If you think this has a good ending, you haven't been paying attention. <laughs> Thanks, Ramsey. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so my number three was Oberyn. Just oh, he should a, always be in everyone's top five. Always, <laughs> always, always, always. Yeah, but what a great Oberyn episode this was, though. I mean, first of all, just his demeanor at the small council, where he's like, "What do I get to be master of something? Like, what does it mean? Like, why am I here?" But he has this 
he has all this wisdom and knowledge and he's so smart. But what's great is that he's not smart like Tywin. Like Tywin likes to make sure everybody knows he's smart. Tyrion is Tyrion is pretty much the same way, right? It's like that's it's it's a part of their identity. For for Oberyn, his identity is just whatever he feels in the moment, you know? He's a lover, he's a fighter, he's a naka naka out. Sorry. He's a <laughs> He's incredibly smart. He's very savvy. And whatever position that he's put into, that he will excel. I mean, I've, I've, I've never seen him really falter yet as a character. Um, and he's in a couple of different scenes in this, in this specific episode. The first one was the small council meeting. Uh, what was great was that he was able to kind of chime in when talking about the unsullied and and how formidable they were. Um you know, he he backs up um he backs up, you know, what what Varys's report was. And then later him and Varys have a very interesting conversation. Um what what's interesting is that I, I put a question of was do you think that maybe Oberyn, this is like so out there, it's something that we'll never know the answer to, but I wonder, Oberyn had a lot of knowledge about Essos, the Unsullied, Daenerys, kind of what her status was. Um, and I'm wondering, he said that he spent about five years in Essos. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if he visited Daenerys at all, Daenerys and Viserys, while they were growing up, considering that technically they were family. And he, because he lost his sister and his sister's children, who were Targaryen children. So I'm wondering if he knew where they had all been stashed away. And so maybe he set sail over there to check in on them maybe once or, or something. I don't know. I mean, it, it it's, it's just a thought experiment, really, because there's nothing that we'll ever know. No, I don't, I don't think that we, will but i really like that theory and where you're going with it i because yeah it makes you wonder i mean he hates the lannisters was he sympathetic towards i mean i don't think anybody was sympathetic towards the mad king but was he sympathetic towards the other the remaining targaryens knowing that that was rhaegar's little brother and little sister now Mm -hmm. viserys was a total piece of shit but you know they were young when they were swept away from westeros into hiding daenerys was a baby um, so yeah, that's a really good question if he was sympathetic towards them at all. Um, but I mean, he was kind of pissed at Rhaegar for kind of ta- what in his eyes tossing aside, um, Ilya, mm-hmm. you know, for Liana. For, for Liana. So mm, I, I like it, but I don't know. I think it's questionable. You're right. I didn't, I didn't think about that, but I did have that as a, as a little question written down, but I, I loved it that varies in that scene with him and Oberyn where he said, well, what do you want? And he looks towards the throne and then he walks away. Now, a casual fan would say, oh, Varys wants the throne like everybody else. But I think Varys just wants the right person in power. And he's always looking at the throne. He's always looking at leadership and who should be in leadership. I mean, you know, we learned so much about Varys, especially in this in, in, in this past seventh season, about kind of where... Uh, his motivation comes from and it's the people it's, you know, he wants to be a voice for the voiceless. And when you go back and you watch the series with that in mind with berries, I think it's very easy to see why he's doing what he's doing along the way. 
um, and why he's trying to stay alive. I mean, if he had stuck his neck out for Tyrion, there's no way that he would have stayed alive. Oh, and, exactly. Cersei would have eliminated him immediately. Right, right. But going back to Oberyn, Oberyn was wonderful in Tyrion's trial. He was. He, he asked Cersei a couple of really pointed questions like, why was he so upset with you? You know, what is it? What's Why did he threaten you? Which was great because, you know, and this goes into probably you and I's number one or number two, but Tyrion's with Tyrion's trial. But, Mm -hmm. you know, everything that was said uh, against Tyrion was completely out of context. And so, you know, Oberyn, I love it that he at least tried to shut down part of Cersei's sob story you know yes you will have you will taste ashes in your mouth and i'm so sad and he's like well why man why because you found his why would he say that yeah what was his motivation for for saying that to you yeah and then when Tyrion demands a trial by combat you almost see oberon like jump up to volunteer like yes. immediately he's like he, so in <laughs> i know the way he shifts in his chair and he's got this just He's this interested look on his face, like, hmm, you know, look at this turn of events. And that you can see the the wheels in motion for Mm -hmm. sure with him. Absolutely. I thought that too. So it was, you know, just Oberyn, just as a whole in this whole episode, he's just, gosh, I wish that he was still in this show so I know. bad all the time it was i i wish him alive all the time if there's you know you always think of the characters and not just game of thrones but other shows as well characters mm-hmm. that you lost but in this show you think of oh if we could bring anyone back who would it be and if i had to pick the one person it would definitely be oberon yes he was gone way too soon yes. i mean he was like a breath of fresh air when he first came on last season the end of last season and just came across the screen and he stole every scene he was in mm-hmm. he was so so fantastic. Um, he he's just he was great, and I I miss him dearly. You were so right with that, and he was he was so good too because I love whenever Shay and I know we're going to get into more detail, so I won't go too far. But when he asks Shay, uh, "Well, did you?" and she says, "Did I what?" and he goes, "Did you fuck him like it was his last <laughs> oh, night on yeah. earth?" And I and and some people might wonder why the hell would you ask that? That's so absurd. But I think. That was Oberyn's way of pointing out how absurd all the questions from the trial were from Mace Tyrell and how just ludicrous some of this was happening. Because I think he knows very well that Tyrion is innocent. Now, I think he's trying to be as fair and impartial as what he can be, but I think he knows that whole thing is bullshit. Mm -hmm. And he wants to try to get to the truth of the matter. And and I, I think initially some people might think that, you know, that question was like, why the hell would you ask that? But I think that that was... You know, like, this is just a stupid-ass thing I'm throwing out there, like all these other stupid-ass questions, like mm-hmm. from Mace and Tywin. And um, so that's that just makes me love Oberyn even more. Mm-hmm. He's he's yeah. so brilliant. And I think people, so many people underestimate him as to how intelligent he is um, and how smart and how knowledgeable he is about the ways of the world and politics. He might just be a second son and he's not a true prince, um, but he's been given the education of one. He's been allowed to travel and educate himself in a worldly manner. He spent time at the Citadel and I don't know if there's like a a, a title for it, but he's a master of poisons, um, you know, and he's Mm -hmm. a skillful fighter. um, You know, they didn't call him the Viper for, you know, no reason. So 
his history in the books is that he actually as a sellsword with the second sons for a number of years. Oh, did he? Oh, yeah, which well, is see, very just cool. Makes me love him even more. I and know. that's interesting because then they talk about that in the small council meeting, right? When, you know, talking about Daenerys's army of the Unsullied. She's got the second sons, and mm-hmm. and I just love Oberyn's expression. He's just, I love how he just sits back and takes it all in. He does not put out there what he knows. He's just taking it all in, and he's just, you know. <laughs> calculating it all up and yeah. how he's going to use all that to his advantage. My favorite thing he does, though, is because it just ruffles Mace's feathers so much. He's like, what What, what do I get? What's my title? What, what am I master of? <laughs> <laughs> he just wants a job. He's like, what, what's my role? <laughs> exactly. Well, his best line, in my opinion, was, um, these meetings aren't always going to be this early, are they? <laughs> He's just like lounging because I just love his laid back attitude. It was a late night at the brothel. He's like, I was up late last night. And you know exactly why he was up late last Mm -hmm. night. Um, But it's hilarious because I'm like, thank you, Oberyn. I'm not a morning person either. I don't appreciate having to get up (laughs) at any kind of morning meetings. This better be good. If I'm going to be here this early, I want a title. What's my job? Yeah, what's my job? Am I master of ships? And Tyrell's like, "Uh, I'm master of ships. Don't step. (laughs) Such a kiss ass, Mace Tyrell. I know. Gosh, he looks to me, he's always, he will always and forever look like a who from Whoville. He does. And uh, to me, in this episode, and maybe it was, I don't know, just something about this particular episode in general, he reminded me of a puffin. I don't know. Oh, (laughs) like the bird? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) He just looked like a puffin. Oh my gosh, you're totally right. You know what? He's a who puffin. He's a puffin who. He's a puffin from Whoville. <laughs> oh, he just gets great to my nerves. Yeah, I agree. He's a cartoon character. He is. So what was your number two? Okay, so kind of touched on the small council a little bit. This is just something I want to kind of dissect with you and get your thoughts. Because I don't know that I completely understood um, Tywin's comment that he made. So... During that conversation when Varys was talking to them about Danny and, and where what her current status is, what she's done in Marine, um, uh, you know, Cersei's, of course, being dismissive as, as usual. But <laughs> I wondered when Tywin said dragons haven't won a war in 300, 300 years, armies win them all the time. She must be dealt with. Do you take that that he's underestimating her dragons that he doesn't see those as a threat but he sees her armies as a threat so i did a little bit of reading on this um and i i actually just came across it um by accident but i think what he meant by that was that you know the dragons aren't what is really winning the wars i mean people were afraid of the dragons so a lot of armies didn't even bother rising up or fighting the Targaryens because they mm-hmm. knew that the dragons would burn them all to the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe the dragons were always used as a fear tactic and not as and not as a prop or a weapon of war. Um, and that it was always the fighting in the armies. And, and maybe that's all that Tywin understands. I mean, if it's been 300 years since a dragon has even been around, and even when they were around, they were like as big as dogs. Right. The last dragons that were, had lived were, yes, like you could, because they would talk about the, the skulls there in the dungeons of King King's Landing, how they got smaller and smaller, and they were like little dogs by mm-hmm. the end. So uh, maybe that's what they're thinking now mm-hmm. is that. 
oh, well, the last dragons that survived were this big. That's all her dragons are going to be. They're no threat. They're just like a symbol of the Targaryen, like you said, Targaryen power and how they were, I guess, more menacing way back in the day, in the beginning, you know, when they were. But, and I get that, but it's like, man, did they, I mean, when you see Drogon in action at the mm, the, the mm. loot train battle, I mean, that back, I think backpedals that statement completely if Tywin was around to see that. Because holy hell. Because you also see um, everybody's face when they finally do see Drogon. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the first time Tyrion sees Drogon. The first time Jon sees Drogon. Um, (sighs) I'm getting goosebumps. (laughs) You know, but it's just like, I would love to have seen Tywin see Drogon. Me too. I would love to see that look on his face. I want to see that look of fear on his face. and, And how he underestimated those dragons and Danny. Cersei underestimated all of it. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, they all did. I think the only one that really believed it was Tyrion. Mm-hmm. And that's just because he was more educated and more well-read than even his father. Open-minded. Right, right. I mean, he's... I, when there Years ago, I saw this map that a reader had made uh, of everybody's travels by character. And oh, it was it was all in different colors uh, with where they had all been. And it was amazing because Tyrion had been everywhere. I mean, when really? you followed Tyrion's line, he's been to Winterfell, the Eyrie, King's Landing. He's been to the Wall. He's been to Essos. He's been he's he made his rounds everywhere. And mm-hmm. so and now he's at Dragonstone. So it's like this is a guy that not only is so well read and so educated but he's also seen it a well-traveled person is also a very educated person and he's met all of the people and he's seen what there is to be seen i mean i think the only place that he didn't go was beyond the wall i don't think that he wouldn't go right cersei will not leave red keep i think Mm -hmm. that if she i think that she thinks if she leaves king's landing she'll never be able to get back no, that's her power. She wouldn't even go back to Casterly Rock. Mm-hmm. And she did not want to go to Highgarden when they were, you know, talking about how if she was going to marry Sir Loras, she right. would then take her place, you know, by his side. He'd be the heir. She'd be, you know, the lady there of Highgarden. And she was like, didn't want to have any of it. She's like, I'm not leaving here. I don't know what the hell you're thinking. Uh, she's like, I'm the yes, queen. Exactly. I'm the mm-hmm. queen. I'm the queen, bitches. <laughs> yeah, with the, uh, with the sunglasses that come down. Exactly. <laughs> well, that's interesting. I that, that that was my thought as well. But I'm like, maybe I'm just not understanding that right. Why in the world? And maybe that is where his mind was, is that he's just completely closed-minded. He thinks of the last dragons that lived were small as dogs and just didn't see them as a threat. It was more of a symbol of the old Targaryen power, but it didn't really mean anything. And he saw her soldiers as more of a threat, which they are, because you do need soldiers. You can't just win it with dragons. And I think that's what Daenerys was told pretty early on. It's like, yeah, you got the dragons. That's pretty cool. But you still got to have the people on the ground to fight the battles and stuff. If Tywin was smart, he would understand that she has three dragons and the Unsullied and mm-hmm. the Second Sons. And she has Jorah and Barristan as her closest advisors. Well, he admits she's got to be dealt with. That's for sure. But he just he he sees it only as the the soldiers on the ground, not mm-hmm. the dragons. And I just thought, well, you're a dumbass for underestimating those dragons. And even Vera says growing larger by the year because she's mm-hmm. like, oh, they're just babies. And he's like, yeah, well, they're they're growing. 
you know, he's he's got the reports. I think that we are right in the fact that they probably don't think that the dragons can get much bigger than dogs. It's true. I guess Maybe. that's where that comment came from. So mm-hmm. I was just I just thought, why would he say that? And am I thinking of that correctly? But that's good that you helped clarify that for me. So that was... I'm not sure how much I clarified, but thank you. No, it for helped, the me, it helped me talk. <laughs> it helped me talk it out. I just needed to kind of talk it out and get it out of my brain and right. put it out there and help talk that out. So that makes a lot of sense. So <laughs> that's my number two. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, well, my number two is just it's just kind of simple, but it's just um. Tywin's manipulation of Jamie for mm. his own self-preservation and legacy. God. First of all, Charles Dance, let's just mm-hmm. give him the respect that he deserves. God. Yes. <laughs> Hate him as a character as Tywin, but damn it, Charles Dance is brilliant. Oh, he is so I totally agree. He's amazing. Um, but that that whole scene because you know this is jamie's first original really good idea and Mm -hmm. you find out that it was actually just tywin's plan all along you fell right into my trap boy yeah (laughs) and poor jamie because he figures out oh oh you agreed to that way too fast and then tywin just lays out the rest of everybody's life just yep just like that and uh and poor jamie is just left looking at him like I have been, I've been completely tricked into this. I can't even believe this. That look on his face when he's, you know, telling Tywin, I will do all of this. I'll give up the King's Guard. I'll mm-hmm. go to Casterly Rock. And after he says all of that to Tywin, and the minute Jamie's done saying that, Tywin looks at him and goes, done. And then, like you said, spells Quick. out what how how your life is. And, and, and the look on Jamie's face that fallen look because he Mm -hmm. feels so noble in what he's doing to help save his, what he feels, save his brother's life. And he, and like you said, he, he's thinking he came up with this all on his own (laughs) and he didn't come up with this on his own. And as soon as Tywin says that, and that look on his face, he's like, you were playing me the whole time and you knew that I was going to do this. And it was so heartbreaking because it was like, you wanted to cheer for Jamie so much. And Tywin took it from me. I know. I know. And, you know, it was a really good plan in theory. And it was so sweet of Jamie to, because it really shows how, you know, you were t- talking earlier of loyalty, that loyalty that Jamie has to, to mm-hmm. Tyrion. And it was a beautiful moment of how far he was willing to go because he never wanted to give up being the King's, King's Guard so he could stay at King's Landing and be close to Cersei. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to marry into, you know, he didn't want to marry anyone else, even if it was just a, a sham or in name only type of marriage because he was loyal to Cersei and that was his love. Um, you know, that he wanted to be with and felt it would be a betrayal to be with anyone other than her. Um, so for him to just relinquish all of that was such a huge moment. Um, and then heartbreaking at the same time to realize that that was what Tywin was waiting for the entire time and where Mm -hmm. he was moving all the chess pieces to get Jamie in that position. And when he says, when Tywin tells him, um, and you will have children named Lannister. Just the way that he said it I'm was so like a glad that punch you caught that gut. too. Yeah. Oh my gosh. If we you, actually if you, paused it and we said, "Did you hear that?" <laughs> yeah. And just and not just the fact that he said it, but how he said it, yeah. like so scathingly. Like I know what's up, and and this well, is how it's going to be. Knows. Yeah. They all. I, 
you know, Tyrion even in, in his wonderful speech, you know, he calls uh, Joffrey Cersei's vicious bastard. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just not even a secret. And right. I, but the way that Tywin says it named Lannister, I don't know, like, how uncomfortable does that make Jamie? You know, like, mm-hmm. yeah. Fucking my sister, dad. Yep. We're <laughs> it's just so gross. We're, we're doing it still to this day. <laughs> doing all the nasty at the 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 burial of our unsaved over Joffrey's grave as he's laid out Ugh. for all the world to see. Gross. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, that was my number two. Just short and sweet, but I assume we have the same number one. I'm sure we do. We should probably just. Like, let's just talk about it and we okay. don't have to get too detailed. But yeah, it's definitely Tyrion's trial and the whole, all the people being paraded in and out. And he's just taking, I mean, he's completely devastated at the fact that how he's being treated, like when they come and get him and put him in chains. Like, what's he going to do? Where's he going to go? You know, so that was just one more way to kind of knock him down a peg, right? Um, at least for, you know, Tywin to get him, to continue to get him as, as if he's not already in a terrible place, um, you know, fighting for his life, but he's got to be in chains. So he's paraded in front of everyone. He's listening to everyone, you know, just with this, ugh, you know, and he's completely not surprised. Of course, we got Marin fucking Trant, you know, that, that, speaks against him um cersei speaks against him he's expecting all of this and like you said he doesn't ask questions he's just letting them he does kind of have an outburst but he doesn't ask questions and um he does seem surprised at varus he's kind of like dude what's up bro Mm -hmm. i thought we were buds and you're testifying against me but of course we know why he does and then when he does ask him the question like do you did you forget what you said about how i was the one that saved this whole city from being uh fallen and uh i think Varys's way of letting him know when he says i never forget a thing i think that was his way of being apologetic but also letting him know i don't forget and i won't forget that it made me think it made me wonder if Varys has like a photographic memory Mm-hmm. Which is why he's so good at remembering what his little birds say, or he's I so know. good at shuffling around all of the facts and mm-hmm. and who said what and where everything is. Because you don't get to his position without having some sort of like a secret superpower. And yeah, I, think, I agree. I think he has some sort of an eidetic memory with everything that he knows and everything that he can recall as quickly as he recalls it. You have to, to keep all that straight. Like you said, all of these whispers that he's hearing and, mm-hmm. and be able to retain all of that information and then know how to use it to his advantage. Um, he has to have this amazing memory. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And uh, my favorite line that Pycelle said, <laughs> really, it wasn't even his line. It was everybody's sick reaction. Like everybody's face was the same, including Cersei's when he said, the most noble child anyone has ever seen on God's green earth. <laughs> oh, God. I know. I had that written down on my notes too, that 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 comment. I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. Can we lay it on any thicker, Pycelle? Well, and then you just know, I mean, it, Damn it's pervert. little things like that, that you're that you that makes you wonder how anybody thought any of this was true nobody thought that about joffrey you know most of the people were there for when for the the thing that marin trant was talking about with and and Tyrion even said would you like to also say that 
the reason why I was slapping Joffrey, the reason why this was happening was because he had a crossbow aimed at her and you were ripping Uh off her dress and you were beating Sansa Stark. Like, do you want to talk about that or just in in full presence of the court? Right. So it's like everybody there, with the exception of Tywin, saw exactly what happened, but they Mm -hmm. just let it. They just let all of this kind of hang out in the air. And and you just have to think, like, at what point do you just say, this is all bullshit? Bullshit. Yeah, bullshit. But and, who's going to speak up against Tywin Lannister? Oh, nobody. I mean, I mean, he's... What was interesting was Marjorie is seeing how this is all playing out. She knows mm-hmm. her grandmother was mm-hmm. responsible for this death. Yep. If I was Marjorie, I would leave high garden leave for high garden that day i'd be like if this is how they treat their family i'm fucking oh, out of here I'm, I'm out how we she thinks go. that she's how she thinks she's gonna last too long married into that family i don't know because lady elena is a badass yes and she's very formidable but she's as old as freaking tywin she's not gonna last forever and then she's got what her her milk toast of a father police he's in tywin's back pocket well Elena knew to leave. Yeah. She's like, I'm out. I gotta go. <laughs> See ya, bitches. I'm going back to High Garden and living and then, it up in my, in my Rose Garden. Yeah, I think that when that necklace came out, that's when Marjorie should have just stood up and left. <laughs> mm-hmm. Her uh, and Loris both should have just said, See ya. Mm-hmm. Y'all Lannisters be your incestuous selves. Mm-hmm. We're just gonna, we're getting the hell out of here. We'll we'll leave. You can have Mace Tyrell. Probably the the biggest moment of the entire trial was Ugh. when Shay walked Shay. through those doors. Every I even when Tyrion sits down, completely defeated. Mm. You yes. just your heart sinks for him. Mm-hmm. It's terrible. You could so feel it. Mm-hmm. You can feel that through the screen. His Peter Dinklage was so fabulous. And I mean, he's always fantastic, always fantastic in every scene I think that he does. But he really brought it home this episode, that devastation, how crestfallen he was when she enters the room. And then, of course, when she starts to speak, not only is she there when he think you know, he doesn't even know that she's still there in King's Landing. So he's surprised and then crestfallen as she starts to speak against him. You know, he thinks that he probably he's probably I don't know what he thinks, but I'm just guessing that he probably thinks, you know, that she's in danger and she's going to be used against him. But she doesn't understand how she's going to be used against him because of all everything he's been trying to tell her since the beginning of of how horrible his family is. Mm -hmm. He thinks that she's innocent. But then as she starts to talk, he realizes the full betrayal. It's not she's being manipulated. She is full on just outright betraying him and she's Mm -hmm. in the game. And that was heartbreaking. It, it, that, it was, uh, it was hard. It was definitely hard to, um, to watch. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you just can't, you can't blame Tyrion when he finally just breaks. Uh Uh-uh. And wow, does he break. Oh, he does. What Holy a great fuck you moment. Shit. He's like, fuck yeah. you, fuck you, fuck you. He's <laughs> like, nobody's cool. I'm out. Trial by combat, bitches. <laughs> I know. It's It was an amazing moment. And a, a, the, the big final fuck you to Tywin. Like, I'm not going to let you. Because Jamie told him, just do this. And I've worked it out. 
let it ride out and let it play. I've got you. This is just, this is going to work. And then, so it was kind of a little bit of a, sorry, Jamie, fuck you too, to, mm-hmm. to Jamie for what he went through to try to win that deal for him. But the big screw you to Tywin, like, I'm not going to let you get your way. I know that you are behind all of this. I know mm-hmm. that you're manipulating every single person here and you're the one that is controlling this whole situation. And I'm not going to win no matter what because of you. Screw you. I want trial by combat. And everybody just flips out. And yeah. the only person that is not just stunned and horrified is, again, it's Oberyn Martell, who just mm-hmm. like, he sits up in his chair. He's like, woohoo, mm. there's going to be a fight. <laughs> Game changer. Yeah, he's like totally into it. And everyone else is freaking out. And I love Tyrion's little smile there to Tywin, too, as they're eyeballing each other from where you know from the, where they are in the in the in the hall there and he gives him that little smile like i just mic dropped your ass because if you know? Tyrion dies jamie will not leave the king's guard he'll be like no you mm-hmm. let you let my brother die you let your son die for this yeah. if Tyrion lives so let's jamie off the hook to stay exactly where he is as well either way tywin lost in that moment he did and it was he did awesome I loved it when he said, um, watching your vicious bastard die gave me more relief than a thousand lying whores. I have that. I have that as well. What a beautiful, like you said, it was great how he himself pointed out in public, you know, the, the legitimacy of her children and did call him a vicious bastard. That was an amazing line. And also, so he was getting an in on Cersei, taking a jide at uh joffrey and also at shay calling her Mm -hmm. a lying whore because she so was she was every bit the lying whore and it was beautiful and it was sad that he kind of had to bring out the monster that everybody says he was everybody's Mm -hmm. called him a monster all his life and that's what he's heard and he's been anything but he's been anything but a monster he's the you know, not only one of the kindest, but he has questions. Yeah, he he likes to whore around. He drinks a lot, but hey, who doesn't? You know, why fault him for that? But um, you know, he's the he's out of all the Lannisters, and certainly out of half the people in Westeros and King's Landing, is one of the best characters ever. And to see how he finally kind of brings out that monster that people think he is when he turns on everyone, he's like, a, you know, I would gladly give my life to give you the same poison as Joffrey. You know, I'm just kind of paraphrasing what he said. Right. And um, kind of sad to see him go to that moment, but it was kind of cool at the same time. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Love it. it. Um, Did you have any notes? I think I covered all my notes. One little thing is I just... I I just... I cannot stand Mace Tyrell at all. And (laughs) I just wanted to kind of point out... You know, it's really kind of sad to see how he is when when they're in the council meeting and Tywin tells him, go get my pen and paper or quill and paper. Um, And he just gets up and does it all dutifully. And it's like, dude, you are one of the lords of the seven kingdoms. You rule such a high and powerful and wealthy house. And you are look at what you are. Mm-hmm. You should be ashamed of yourself. You do not deserve to rule. And I mean, everybody knows it. Elena knows it. She she 
you know, is completely like, my son is worthless. And even Marjorie gets frustrated with her father when I can't remember the exact comment that Mace Tyrell made it, whether it was a question or a comment that he made. But even Marjorie was like, you know, she made a big sigh and shuffled in her chair and adjusted her shawl and was like, Jesus, you're an idiot. I can't believe that's my father, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So I just had to kind of point that out that I just think like, dude, you are one of the, you know, and then Oberon looks at him with like, you know, as he gets up from his his chair to go fetch the the quill and paper, that was Oberon's like, he's like, dude, have some pride. Yeah, <laughs> you know? you're a grown ass man. It's just that that's really my only note I wanted to just kind of bring up. Um, I believe we've covered all of my other notes as we've been talking. So the only note that I have is just kind of a little piece of trivia about this episode, mm. and that is that this is the first episode, uh, in four seasons that not one Stark was uh, appeared in this show. Wow. Which That's is, interesting. Yeah. Cause they always, and, uh, and the showrunners actually said that that was uh, a complete coincidence. Like that wasn't done on purpose. A lot of times they shoot all these scenes and they'll have like a uh, moat, like they'll, always drop in like an extra scene or something like that if they don't have mm-hmm. a Stark uh, just to like check in on the Starks for an episode but because of Tyrion's trial and everything happening at King's Landing that mm-hmm. they just there wasn't any room for it and it wasn't an omission on purpose or anything like that it was just like it was actually brought to their attention because they hadn't realized it Ah, so I thought that was really interesting. That is interesting. And this is actually one of this is a shorter episode. I mean, at least I know that they got shorter as the seasons went went farther along. But being in the fourth season, this was, I think, only around 52 minutes. Um, Yep. They could have had time to throw in. Yeah, they they could have had some, you know, a moment to throw in and check in with the Starks for a few moments because it was Mm -hmm. a little bit of a shorter episode. But I think it worked out. I think it's interesting that that is how it was. But um. You know, it's okay. I'm I'm still okay with that episode. So it's a fantastic episode. So great. So yeah. So anyways, uh, I think that about covers our coverage. So we'll take a little break and we'll come back with some feedback. Hey lion, you're not my king, and I don't want your worship. I'm already We don't have any news this week because, well, we have two episodes this week. So basically, you're going to get news probably every other episode at this point until we're back to a weekly uh, a weekly schedule. So skipping over news, we're going to go into feedback. And we do have a voicemail from Steve Brown. Uh, so we are going to play that right now. Hello, Kristen and guest host. This is Steve. And this is for Laws of Gods and Men. really love this episode. But I have a question. I can't remember, Kristen, if you are, you may have already answered this. Do you think Cersei really believes that Tyrion killed Joffrey? Or she is just so obsessed with her hatred of Tyrion that she doesn't care 
that he's innocent. Uh, I was wondering that as I watched this episode because she really seems convinced that Tyrion was the one who killed Joffrey. It was really sad to see what Theon has become and knowing kind of where he he goes from here and seeing previews for the next uh, episode. It just... Uh, it's just sad to see a character like that so broken and uh, and destroyed to the point where he's crawling back into the cage uh, when his sister's trying to save him. And uh, Peter Dinklage was amazing in this this episode. That trial scene uh, was just so good. He's seeing him hold his composure and then ask the question of the the, the monk who'd already told him that he wasn't going to back him up, and then Shay's betrayal and just. It broke. Uh, you could see it breaking him, and to where not breaking him negatively, but breaking him to make him stronger, to make him not accept the deal that Jamie had set up for him, and this this chance that he's going to have to fight the mountain is just uh, incredible. So can't wait for the next episode. I, I can't remember exactly what happens towards the end of this season so i'm i'm excited to see where it goes and uh, see what uh, hear you guys thoughts of it talk to you later so good yeah yeah i think i think we did not answer that question but i hope that at this point in the episode that that i, I think we're all on the same page about cersei as far as i think she truly does believe that Tyrion did it and Sansa had something to do with it as mm-hmm. well, help plan and plot. Yeah, absolutely. Whether she was really thought it or she just thought it out of hate for her brother, either way, um, I think that it wasn't until Jamie told her that Elena herself told Jamie that she killed Joffrey mm-hmm. that she finally allowed herself to believe that it was not Tyrion who killed her son. Because she does say it, I, I and I cannot remember the episode. I think in a future episode, because Jamie still has that sympathy towards Tyrion, that she's like, I can't believe you still support him, or you still have sympathy for him. He killed, he killed our son, so she still hangs on to that. She's not just saying like it's not like he was an easy sca- he is an easy scapegoat because of her hatred of him. But I think she does. I think until she finds out otherwise, truly believes it. Well, in in the books too, Cersei always. Um, she's somebody that believes her own lies to the point that she mm-hmm. convinces herself that they're true. And then she can't remember what was the actual truth and what was the lie, which I think makes her a little insane or, or kind of drives her insanity even deeper. Oh, totally. So, uh, yeah. So anyways, thank you, Steve, for the feedback. And yeah, thanks. That is our show. Thank you, Rima, for being here. Thank you for listening, everybody. Thank you again for having me. I had a great time, as always. Every time. <laughs> I love it when you're on. I I just, every, <laughs> if, if I go like one or two episodes without you, I'm like, I got to get Rima back on here. Aww. <laughs> um, so next episode, we will be covering season four, episode seven, Mockingbird, with my husband, Dave, as Yay. a special guest for a Thanksgiving holiday special. So... That should awesome. be really fun. Yeah, give it That's a watch. That's super fun. I think so. <laughs> I can't he's, wait to listen to that. He's a little nervous, so just be kind. If you want to send in some feedback and just give him some words of encouragement, that would be great. Yes. Um, but I think he's going to be fantastic. He His knowledge um, 
his, his, a lot of my discussion points come from talks that my husband and I do have together. So mm-hmm. I think it'll be really fun. And he's hilarious. Um, it'll be hard to get him to actually be serious for longer than a couple <laughs> of minutes at a time. <laughs> I can't wait. It's going to be fantastic to get yeah. his viewpoints because I know he's got some interesting things to share. So yeah, he's a, he's a great guy. So anyways, give uh, give Mockingbird and if you don't mind, also give the Mountain and the Viper uh, a, a watch and a listen. And we will be recording both of those next week. Uh, so send in your feedback because I love it. I love the voicemails. I love anything that you guys send and if you want to talk about a previous episode that's fine too um whatever i i just want to hear how you guys are liking the rewatch that would be great too and yeah if the sped up pace is okay for you guys because i sure i sure enjoy it i enjoy what i do i think it's really great and yeah um i just you know thank you to jason for allowing me to speed it up and kind of run with it run with the rewatch so yeah so much fun yeah. Getting us ready for the next season. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, if you'd like to write in or record a message and send it in, you can email us at dra- dragons at podcastica.com. You can check out our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash house podcastica. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at house podcastica. And be sure to check out the other great podcasts that we have at podcastica.com, including strange indeed i know you're not ever gonna i'll never get tired of listening to that at all get listen to us we're doing um haunting of hill house right now we're having a lot of fun of it or fun with it sean and i so go check us out uh we appreciate it let us know what you think how is sean doing with that he's he's hanging there he's doing really well he's I know he cracks me up. I'm ner- um, I was nervous for him. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I'm a little bit nervous for myself. This one has really uh, surprised me at how scared it, it gets me. But I love it because I love to be scared. So mm-hmm. it's it's I'm, I've risen to the challenge and it's scaring the hell out of me, scaring the hell out of Sean. But we're having a hell of a time talking about it and we love it. So good for you. All the yeah. cookies go to you guys. Good for you. <laughs> uh, special thanks to Break of Reality for our new intro music. If you want to check them out, you can do so on YouTube or on their website breakofreality.com thanks to kirk manley for our podcast art and ben beck for website design kirk's work can be checked out on his website at studiokm.com and ben beck can be found at nextlevelradioonline.com awesome thanks everybody cersei the mountain the night king you're on gray joy mr blog Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.